second reading is from the first book of Corinthians, chapter 3. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid the foundation, and someone else is building on it. Each builder must choose with care how to build on it, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has been laid, the foundation of Jesus Christ. Do you know that you are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone desires God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If you think you are wise in this age, you should become fools, so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast about human leaders, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world of life or death or the present or the future. All belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. The word of the Lord. Let me first of all say I am delighted to be here at St. Paul and working with... uh, Pastor Bull and uh, the other ministry team members as well, um, and the various uh, groups that uh, meet at different times, the different, uh, whether it's the uh, uh, contemporary group here at 9.30 or the other services at, at 8 and 11 o'clock. Um, I want to share something with you that you probably don't know about your pastor. Now, I met Pastor Jonathan Bull at Lutheran Memorial Camp about 25 years ago, and we saw each other basically every year at camp. But you don't know what he did before he became a pastor. He worked for, get this, the Ever Ready Battery Company. He worked for a while as the Energizer Bunny that kept going on and on and on. They recognized early on the kind of energy that he has, and, uh, and the church is benefiting from that today with his, his energy that you see day in and day out, not just on Sundays, but all through the week uh, at all times. So I'm happy to be working with... Uh, Pastor John, in these days. Last Sunday, my wife Mary and I had the privilege to worship at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. Has anyone here been there by chance? Oh, quite a few of you. Well, you already know what I'm talking about then a little bit. But won't you agree what a jaw-dropping experience it is just to walk inside that magnificent building. This Episcopalian church is massive, and that's an understatement, I think. It has the the high vaulted ceilings made of stone, and if you look up from the floor, it's over seven stories high till you hit the ceiling. The limestone columns that that line the nave, supporting the entire structure, are almost as big around at the base as this altar area is here. They're that big. It has several smaller chapels off the, the main huge nave. 
and one of those that is just adjacent to it is probably twice the size of St. Paul here in terms of seating capacity. That's one of the smaller chapels. I caught myself gawking repeatedly last week at all the, the statues around the building, the carved stonework, especially on the huge pulpit with all of its carved figures on there. And get this, the 215 stained glass windows that are part of that church structure, the largest of which is from like where I'm standing to that wall. It's that big. Well, the National Cathedral, I'm told, is the sixth largest church building and structure in the world. It reminds me of a story that was told by Richard Thulin. Now, you may not recognize that name, but Richard Thulin, for a long time, was a homiletics professor. He was part of our seminary before it came to Trinity at, uh, in Springfield. And then he was a homiletics professor at Gettysburg and dean of the uh, seminary there. Homiletics is just a, a fancy word for preaching. He was a preaching professor. And Dr. Thulin told the story of his uncle who got really excited about churches He was fascinated by their design and the the architectural layout. He never seemed to grow tired of looking at them from, from top to bottom or walking all around them to inspect what they were made of. He marveled at the the artistry that went into the creation of the stained glass windows and the craftsmanship of the marble altars or the wooden altars. Many times he would go up to his nephew and say, come on, Richard, there's a church that I want you to see. And off they would go to check out another historic church. Dr. Thulin says his uncle loved churches and making all kinds of discoveries about them. But this professor of preaching went on to say that in spite of his passion for old churches, get this, his uncle never belonged to any church. And as far as he knows, his uncle never went inside a church to worship. In fact, if truth be told, he really didn't care all that much for church people or any of their religious rituals. He would say they're all a bunch of hypocrites, and their prayers, for the most part, they're just self-serving. And then he would throw out an occasional dare. Give me the walls, and the towers, and the floors, and the doors, but you can keep all the people. Given the choice between the church as a building, or the church as a gathering of people, he would see only the building every time. It sounds a bit tragic, doesn't it? The Apostle Paul, in our Corinthians passage, 
talks about the church as well this morning using architectural language. He talks about builders and about foundations. He lists various kinds of building materials including gold and silver and precious stones and and all kinds of ornate wood. He even includes a thought or two about quality control in the construction. But Paul never confuses the church as a building with church as a gathering of believers. Richard Thulin's uncle had eyes only for the church as a building. But you cannot have just a church building and disregard the people. You see, without the people of God, there can be no church. St. Paul says it this way in our reading. Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's Spirit dwells in you? He says this to the, the Christian people of Corinth who needed a basic course on what the church is. They were so captivated by the church structure that they lost sight of what was important in God's eyes. They were not simply a people who happened to gather in a building called church. No, no, not at all. Individually and collectively, they were the very dwelling place of God. Their bodies were the living temple of God. According to St. Paul, he says, God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Even so, even though the people of God have formed into a temple where the Holy Spirit dwells, Paul is quick to burst any prideful bubbles that those Corinthian believers might have had. Just because they were a temple of God did not make them perfect. So, warning, he says, you need to be careful to build your lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ in everything that you do. Everything. Shoddy workmanship as you build your Christian life will be exposed. Each person is a temple of God. And they're all important in forming God's church. Warning, Paul says to those in the church who do various things that undermine God's temple. When you quarrel and when there is dissension, you divide the community and deny your oneness in Christ. And then the stern words of Paul follow, if you so destroy the temple in which you are, God will destroy you. Both Paul and our Lord Jesus place great emphasis on our unity as God's people. And I've always taken that very, very seriously in my ministry. We need to constantly be building each other up, building up the church, 
and not tearing each other down. Warning. And Paul says it yet another time. You see, the Corinthian people prided themselves on having wisdom. Attaining wisdom was a very high Greek virtue. But Paul warns them not to think they are so wise by turning away what seems to be foolish, namely the cross of Jesus Christ. In that part of the world, conventional wisdom said, Stay away from the cross. It was widely recognized and is an image of of defeat and death. But Jesus reverses that. And the cross becomes God's symbol of victory. And so with each of these warnings from Paul, these early believers in Corinth, are reminded that they do have some things they need to work on. And yet, yet in spite of any flaws that they had, in spite of their quarreling and divisiveness, in spite of their arrogant claims of being wise, they are still very much the church. And yes, they had allegiance to various leaders and to certain groups within the congregation, but Paul sets them straight. He says, you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. We have so much that we can learn from the apostles' words to the church at Corinth. When we find ourselves getting off base spiritually, and I'm guessing that happens more than any of us like to admit, These warnings from Paul can center us and our lives once again. Keep in mind, you are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit lives in you. Jesus Christ is the foundation on which we build everything. And keep in mind, God desires that we build up His temple Build each other up. Why? So that we are unified in Christ. Isn't that something we can all improve upon? I suspect one of the biggest reasons that the Christian church has been in decline in recent decades is because we have not worked very hard on building each other up as the temple of God. We become pretty good at times at doing just the opposite. So yes, we have some work to do, don't we? The uncle of Richard Thulin never seemed to grasp the difference between church as a building and church as God's people. Sometimes he would point to a church structure and he would call it a miracle. A miracle but he missed the real miracle. The real miracle is when God dwells in you and God's blessings flow through you to all the world. Amen.